Good morning and welcome to New Haven Newsmakers with Mayor Steve. Today, I'm joined by City Councilman, Great New Haven resident, East Central Fire Territory Board member, Board of Works member, on and on and on again, my good friend, Bob Bird. Bob, thank you so much for joining us on New Haven Newsmakers with Mayor Steve today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Steve. Great day. So thank you so much for joining us. For those that are just tuning in today for the first time or have not listened to our podcast, our tagline is conversation, not confrontation. And the whole purpose behind New Haven Newsmakers with Mayor Steve is to get to know the public servants, the people of the community, what makes them drive, a little bit about their history, and, and most importantly, just to learn some things about them that they may not know prior to listening to this. Bob, you grew up in New Haven. You've been a, a really good friend for, I don't know, more than a dozen years. I've always enjoyed talking to you. You've got a really good sense of the history of New Haven. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up. Uh, I know you're, you're a bulldog through and through. You graduated in the early 70s from the old New Haven High School, Yeah, which, of course, is no longer there. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I grew up on Hartzell Road, right between 24 and uh... 30 there in New Haven. Yeah. I think just right there shows how long you've lived here <laughs> when you refer to Lincoln Highway still as US 24. Yeah, that, that's how it always was. Uh, Zelp service station was on the corner. We'd go there all the time. But there are a lot of people probably listening to this that, that went there themselves for you know, candy and pop and talk to Paul and Rose and walk across the street to Marsh Grocery Store and the other going north. Uh, like Steve said, I grew up there my whole life. I, I went to New Haven Elementary School, went to New Haven Junior High, New Haven High School. and. They were all within 300 yards of each other back in the day. We just went to school. One of the things you've told me about, you know, a lot of us like to talk about the good old days. You shared with me some of the things that weren't so good about the good old days. You told me about all the soot and, and the pollution on the side of your grandfather's house. His house. He, he built, my grandpa uh, had, on, he lived, they lived on Moeller Road when Moeller Road was a dirt road. It was where uh, Meadowbrook sets today. And then he built a house over on 930. And then he built a house on Hartzell Road. We're all, all really close to each other. Well, he was very proud of that house and with, with the semis uh, going, uh, going past back and forth, he'd put soot on the house. So in the summer times, he would hire me to give me a summer job to wax his house. I'd wash and wax his house, his aluminum siding. So that, that was pretty interesting back so in the day. Did you use car wax? Yeah, we just used car wax. He'd have me wash it and it, and it was very sooty. I mean, it was, it was, it was black. I mean, it, it was definitely need to be done, but you, He's probably the only person who ever waxed a house in New Haven. Well, Cap Councilman Dellinger was my, my most recent guest, and we were talking about how it used to be downtown. It used to be on Lincoln Highway when US 24 went through the number of semis, and it was backed up. It, there was pollution. And we, we do talk about the good old days, but not everything about the good old days was good. Yeah, the traffic downtown, I mean, in downtown New Haven, people don't know that. I mean, semis were lined up. You think like 930 a day, that was in downtown New Haven. Uh, on a Friday night, downtown would be packed. There'd be people going to Lincoln Bank. Uh, so people would be lined up all the way uh, on Broadway. And Lincoln Bank at that time had to drive up where the existing city parking lot is, right behind Peter Franklin Jewelers. So there'd be traffic lined up hundreds of yards each way downtown New Haven. It'd be a standstill at times. So. Well, and there were trains back then, too. A lot of trains back then. Matter of fact, there might have been a couple of steam engines back in the early, early, early days, back in the back in the day here and going through New Haven. One of the things that, that I really love about you is your commitment to the community. My first year as mayor, I had the great honor of being involved in the announcing that you and Sue were the recipients of the Bill Fritcher Memorial Award. There's been several great recipients of that. And you, you and Sue are just great 
great examples of people that love New Haven through and through. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk for a few minutes about Sue. Just an amazing person. Her contributions to your family and the community on and live on for a long time. She worked at the chamber. She was involved in so many different things. And what a great, great person. And yeah, we, we always like to be involved in New Haven. You know, New Haven gave so, so much to us and our family. There were, whether it was, you know, the kid and, and, and just being around people. You, you, you mentioned the Bill Fritch Award. And you look at the number, the people on there that, and the type of people that they are that just gave so much to the community that people don't even know. And I, you know, you, you know, you need to, you know, you need to have a servant's heart where you think about other people, you know, more than yourself. I mean, I, I truly believe that. I mean, I care about myself, my family, but you need to care about the community and you can do a lot of good things and you know, that, that people know. And, 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 and Sue, you know, you know, like a lot of our wives, they lead us that way. You know, she was a, you know, she had strong faith, you know, she was a Christian woman and, and kind of, you know, she, she, you know, she was the one that I, that why I'm, you know, have my Christian faith today is through her. And I think, you know, she led that, you know, with our kids, our, you know, our family and our friends, they, they all saw that, you know, so, you know, just, just that's kind of how I feel about that, I guess. Well, I can't think of anybody more deserving than you and Sue to receive that award is still, you are the only couple to have ever received that award. There's been about 13 individuals, but never a couple. And it, it's always been, it was always very apparent that the two of you together just loved New Haven so much and wanted to make sure that this community was better. And it certainly is because the Bird family lives here. So you said your grandpa lived on Hartzell Road. And what are the Bird's roots to New Haven? How far back does it go? Yeah, I must say my grandpa, probably back the 30s, 40, Magnavox, pretty much both him and my grandma and my mom all worked at Magnavox. My dad worked at Harvester. So, you know, like I said, they started on, uh, on Mola Road. Uh, it was a dirt road. I, my mom always told the story one time her and her brother rode the, the horse. They had a horse and buggy, a, a pony, and they rode it downtown. The horse was so tired that they couldn't get back home. So someone had, was there a hitching post or something for the, you know, I have no idea. You know, that's what they'll say. You know, that's, I kind of asked the same question. I said, what do you do? She says, we just wanted to drive downtown there. Hey, ride around the pony. That was probably in the oh, late, that's probably in the late forties. This is where I wish we were doing a video podcast because we're both smiling and we're chuckling, right? Yeah. This is the great history of our community. And as we continue to age, as, uh, and, and if there's somebody listening to the show is in their 20s or 30s, for example, the, the thought of a, somebody riding a pony in downtown New Haven is pretty foreign. Yeah, it definitely would be. I, I, you talk about your grand, people talk about their grandparents and things that you get from them. And, you know, I, my great friend, my grandfather, Bird, they, they make who you, your grandparents kind of help make who you are and set your values and things like that. I can remember one time when I was young, my grandpa told me about, he said, he came over and got me, he said, we need to go someplace. And. We raised chihuahuas back then, and uh, the, one of the pun, and we go, he says, there's a little boy that's not doing very well in New Haven, and he wants a puppy. So we took it and gave it to him. You don't think much when you're a kid, but later on in life, you realize that that was a pretty good lesson, Steve. Well, and, and again, you know, what we have and what we can share, and it may not seem like much to some, but it's a lot to the recipient, a lot. And, that, and that's, that's kind of why I've got into some of this, you know, over the years, you know, like, you know, kind of things I've done, you know, I've 
volunteer fire. I, I was a sheriff at, when I was 18 years old, I was a sheriff at election. They had sheriffs back then where you kind of controlled the election. You know, yeah. I thought I wanted to be able to help people. Then, then through the years, you know, being the firefighter, I, when you have to, you know, you want to be a coach, you know, I coached girls softball, I was president of the league for 10 years. But I think you go back and realize the people in your life that did that for my little league, you know, for instance, he worked at Harvester and you realize those guys went to work all day, got off work at three o'clock when the horn went off, came home, got around and then coached me baseball. So, you know, there was people before us that did that things and we need to pass that forward. We need to, the, the, they're, they're, we need to follow in their footsteps. And now we need to develop people that follows in our footsteps. Yeah. Well, I, I wholeheartedly believe that we need to leave this place a little bit better because we are here. Right? I, I think yeah. that's incumbent upon each of us and each of us has a gift to give. Some of us, we don't even know what that gift is, but I tell you the recipient does. The recipient has seen that. I love your Chihuahua story because that's a great, great example of that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about firefighter service because that's kind of unfortunately going by the wayside. Uh, if with travel sports and all the demands of a parent today and fill in the blank. The days of having a volunteer fire force are unfortunately probably numbered. I've always had such great respect for people that literally put their lives on the line to help those in the community. My father-in-law was, was a volunteer firefighter. Wife's stepfather was a, a volunteer firefighter, both with Adams too in the New Haven area. You and I have talked in the past about some of the things that you see that you can't unsee. And one of the stories you told me about was a plane crash, I believe, out by Hoagland. And, and that's something you still see. And, and firefighter and police officers, be, they're all professionals, just whether their careers are volunteers or not, right? They see things they can't unsee. And, and I think we, we forget about that. And we don't realize the burden that so many people carry in protecting us. Do you, you want to talk just for a minute about that? Is that something you're comfortable talking about? Uh, I, I can mention a little. It, it, that fighting, firefighting, whether you're a medic uh, or, or a firefighter or a police officer, there's, there, there are circumstances, things happen in life. And my, my, I always think, what can we do to give people the best chance to live? You know, I, over, you know, starting the firefighting back in 75, when you first start, you want to save everybody and, and you realize you can't. And then you do see some pretty tough things, pretty, put in some pretty tough situations. Nowadays, they've realized back in the day, you know, you just kind of toughed up, you know, you went on. Nowadays, well, we have support. That was the day when the greatest generation were the people in their 40s and their 50s at that time, or right. the World War II beds. And it, it was a different time where you just... We're supposed to just internalize everything and let it go. And we know now that obviously that, that wasn't happening, Right. but it, it was a different mindset, right? It, it definitely, in a way, I was kind of fortunate to know some, um, Vietnam veterans and, you know, they kind of, the veterans are the same boat sometimes, yeah. right? And we would talk, I'm, you would get together back at the engine house and, and talk about things. And like I said, today they have tap, uh, things in place. That when an incident like that happens, they can go in and talk to people and get, you know, it helps the, whether it's a firefighter or police officer, they can debrief after that. Is it something that goes away? No, I mean, that's something you can't unsee, but I, we can help our public servants by supporting that and, and, uh, realizing that, you know, some days they have bad days too. So no doubt about that. And be sure to that police officer, that firefighter, that medic, and also the dispatchers. And I talk all the time about. We've got great firefighters, we've got great medics, we've got great police officers, but we also have great dispatchers. And without great dispatchers, they have to figure out what's going on on that 911 call and make sure that it's really properly handled. 
well, you know, unless you, you were deeply involved in the volunteer association, was, was Sue a member of the auxiliary or was she involved with the fire department? Yeah, yeah, she, she was involved with the women's auxiliary. You know, that was part of the time when we were raising a family, you know, when I was yeah. on there, both my daughters were born during that time. And uh, she was involved back then, you know, we would have our chicken fry, just like, you know, we call them chicken burns back now. We'd have a couple of chickens, uh, grilling chickens to raise funds, uh, Christmas parties. Uh, you know, something, a big fire, something they would bring food out to it or, or water or whatever we needed. So, well, that's one of the things that Marlene, my mother in law, talks about often is how they used to make sandwiches or bring water or bring coffee to the firefighters. It, unfortunately, right. People, people wanting people, a lot of people want the right thing, good things for the community. And it's harder. And then, and times have changed, Steve. You know, I mean, I, you know, people are busy. They, there's a lot of things they're pulled to do now, like you mentioned, their kid, their, their families. But, you know, I truly believe that we can all carve out a little bit of time. You know, like I said, the co the guys that coached, uh, you know, if you played any sports, the coaches back then did it. Uh, you know, I mean, I worked a full-time job and many times when you coach, you work a full-time job, you go home, you, you, um, we change shower, clothes, shower, you take shower, shower and you go coach yeah. until eight o'clock and right. now you're a softball game. And then I, like I said, I was the president of the league a few times and yeah, yeah, you're pulled many different ways. And, and I, I, I truly believe in family time. But I also said, we, there, there are times that we have some extra time that, you know, you can find something that you're passionate about and find a way uh, to get involved. You know, sometimes it's just a matter of making a phone call to somebody, say, hey, you need some help. And that's how you get started. So for me, a fulfilling life is giving back to the community. Um, and that's different for everybody, how they define a fulfilling life. But for me, certainly, I, I want to make sure that New Haven or where I, wherever I happen to be at is walked, that, that things are better. And I can tell you, my friend. New Haven is best because of you. You mentioned your family. Let's talk a little bit about your family. Both your daughters live in New Haven. All your grandkids do. I mean, that, that, what a great situation. Talk a little bit about your family. You mentioned your grandpa earlier, and you know, I was kind of taking mental notes on that. And I've seen you interact with your grandkids. And clearly, the message that your grandparents sent you on how important it is for grandparents to be involved has transferred to you and how you interact with your grandkids because to see the love, the nurturing, and also the instilling of values in your grandkids. I've seen, I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Like you said, both my daughters, you know, actually grandson graduate from New Haven and got more grandkids. So, you know, and, and like we are, we're Sue and I is totally blessed about you know, our kids. These all both all stayed in New Haven. They're, you know, one of my daughters is building a new home right now in New Haven. And I, and I think, I, I think we do have lessons, you know, teach our kids, you know, Sue and I always tried to put the girls first, but we were, we were kind of tough with them too. I, I know a lot of times, you know, there was back in the day, they'd want a certain pair of jeans. Well, money as, as a parent, you, know, you can have, you know, you can have one pair of these jeans or two pairs of, you get the brand name jean or you get two pairs of the other, you know, it's kind of tough. Look, you wanted to give them both. Just that wasn't how, you know, you make them make a decision. And I, and I think. Those type of things that you show your kid that, that value, things have value, you know, money doesn't grow on a tree. And I, and I, and I try to do it with our grandkids today. You know, I try to, I try to be in their life and show them, you know, my grandson's lives for him. I, I think it's important for them to, when their grandma or mom's walking through the door, you open the door for them. You, you treat, you treat people kind. you be good to people. Uh, if you're playing with your friends and they fall down, help them up. Just, I think you just need to show that, but you got to demonstrate that to them. They just don't pick that up. I know you're truly a servant. Peter. I, I've, I've, I've seen you over the last 10, 15 years in, in the things you do in the community. I know that you never do it for recognition. I know that you're, you're very humble. Uh, but one of the things that, that, you know, that I've seen firsthand, not only do you give your time, you give your treasure also to a lot of New Haven events, a lot of New Haven 
nonprofits. You're, it's really evident that it's important to you that, that this community be strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to support our community, you know, whether whatever, whatever you support, whatever you believe in, with helping people or, you know, making sure someone gets to do something. You know, there, there's lots of, there's lots of kids and families that to be able to do, do things and help people. And that was important to both of us. I, I, I know you're not going to want to talk about this, but I, I was, I was told that I believe it true that almost all of the money that you made on, as your time on city council, you and Sue donated to New Haven charities. We, 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 we've always, you know, we've always tried to do that, Steve. I mean, it, you know, I, I, it, you know, it's it just something that Sue and I made that type of decision that things are important, but Sue, Sue, I said, if I have a place to live, something to eat, I'm happy. No, I, sometimes stuff like that's important with people. You know, you, what? you, you mentioned earlier, we were talking about blue jeans or clothes or fill in the, we could fill in PlayStation, Xbox, whatever in there. Those things come and go, but values are something that's our, with our kids, with our community for life. You know, those, those lessons I think are more important. I think even if you could have afforded two pairs of those jeans, I think that one pair of jeans in the lesson is probably more important than the two pairs of jeans that would have ended up at Goodwill and sooner or later in the landfill, right? They have, you know, later in life, your kids will tell you that some, sometimes it, you know, they, they would make comments, well, we just want what, what we, you would give us. You, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that, not meaning that. It, it, that's a kid's view of things that, that that's a, I want this. I got to have this. I got to have a Nintendo because everyone has to have one. Well, no, you don't. Not everybody can get everything they want. So that's kind of how life, you, you just can't have everything. And, and do you see that a little bit in today's generation where it, it seems like parenting is kind of, in some cases, not every, but some cases kind of lost that desire to teach those lessons. It seems it's a lot easier just to hand a kid an iPad than and give them the credit card to go to Starbucks and get a Frappuccino. That, that, that's why I do see the difference that, that from our generation to the, to the generation today. I, I, we just didn't watch TV all the time. We didn't have the iPad. We, we played outside. I mean, everybody always laughs about that. I spent as much time outside in the summer, fall, winter. Uh, in the summer, we played. We went down to the creek and, you know, got in the pond. You know, our swimming pool was the tree or ditch. That's where we swam. I look at that now and I think that probably wasn't the best thing to do, swimming in the tree or ditch. That's, that's what we did. We, we it, there, there probably wasn't a vacant lot in New Haven. There was, I didn't play a baseball game on, a football game on. At parks, we played basketball. The kids just wandered the neighborhood, and that, that's why you'd, you'd find out there was going to be a, you, you would have, on Monday, you'd have a baseball game downtown, and when you left, you were going to have a basketball game or the elementary school basketball court the next day. And when the street lights came on, you knew it was time to go home. It, it was definitely time to go home and there wasn't a gray area back then. You know, when your parents told you to do something, you did it because that was the right thing. When I got in trouble at school, I knew it. When I got home, I was going to get in more trouble. Unfortunately for me, back in the day, a lot of my teachers were my mom and dad's teachers. So we, if I made a mistake and I was guilty, I mean, and I was guilty, you know, it's, it's like, you, you know, the kids today, I, I, I hear my grandkids today. He'll, you know, he'll, my one, my grandson will tell me a story about something at school. I got in trouble. I really didn't do anything. Well, what didn't you do? Well, the teacher told me not to push the push in front of me or push person in front of me. And I said, well, you did that. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. But, well, <laughs> well, well you, so I'm like, why would you, <laughs> so you did do it and you were wrong. So you got punished for something you knew you was going to get punished for. You were in the wrong. It's your fault. You know what you're supposed to do. Do it. So. And, and from what you were talking about earlier, that's what Grandpa Bird would have told you, right? Yeah. I would have told little Bob Bird that. Well, Grandpa would have, would have told me that. 
And then later on, as we did the, maybe get an ice cream cone, we would have other talk. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, and I, you know, I think that's, you know, just sometimes with your kids, just, you know, nowadays you can go, you know, I, I like to take them to Dairy Queen or we'll go to the root beer stand or we'll just, we'll just go do something. And I think talking and being involved in their lives and, and get them away from that, you know, their, their iPhone or Nintendo. I mean, if you sat down at it, one, one of Sue's biggest things, when we went to a restaurant, sat down, get, get rid of the phone. I mean, get rid of your iPhone. You know, you're with the family. To, you need to be involved in the conversation with the family. It'd make them mad, but I think that that's important. When you sit down at the dinner table, you're, you're, you're together as a family to talk about things. So that's. Now, before I became mayor, I was a realtor for over a quarter century. And I used to ask particularly young clients, what's the most important piece of furniture you have in your house? And I would get a lot of puzzled looks. And I would always say without a doubt, because I 100% believe it's your kitchen table. That's where, that's where minds, hearts, and souls are formulated is at the kitchen table. And those conversations over dinner without the cell phone are so important. And I remember at the time that Caitlin and Alyssa used to look at me sometimes like, dad, where are you going? But my wife, Jude, their mother, uh, was working second shift at the time. So I spent a lot of years fixing dinner and, and having those conversations in their tables. What was, what was the best thing that happened in school today? You know, and they would tell me, and they said, well, what was the worst thing that happened in school today? And they'd tell me, it's like, well, what are you going to do to turn the worst things into the best things? Is there a way of doing that? I, I have always maintained, and I will, I think, until the day I die, that that kitchen table is so important. Those family conversations, you know, I just, that, 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 that is, that is so important. Let's talk about your career a little bit. You, you're for general telephone. And how long were you that you were, you were a lineman, a repairman? You were, were you a union shop steward? Did you tell me at yeah. one point? Started, I started with GTE as a lineman working outside over the years, worked up into what they call the business group and end up installing uh, large communication systems and, you know, I, you know, local, local colleges, local healthcare facilities. And then toward the end of my career, I became a, what they call a sales engineer designing all those systems. I, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, to be able to build, you know, work at a company that you can continue to work yourself up and, and, and ended my career you know, as a sales engineer. I, I was, I was very fortunate in my life. I, you know, I think that again, that comes from your, your, your parents and your grandparents, you know, your worth it. You know, you, you go to school or you go to work every day, you, you get, you know, you, you know, eight o'clock starting time, you know, you're there 15, 20 minutes ahead of time. That's, that's the time you need to be there. Uh, you work hard, hard all day long. And then at night. You go home and then you're with your family, but you know, you need a, a good work ethic and just, and then I think that came from why, you know, my grandparents, you know, they, you know, my dad worked at a harvester, my mom worked at Magnavox. I did, you know, and they, you know, they would work all the time and the people you surround yourself with, you know, you, you realize that you had to work hard to, to get something in life. We think back now for, I'm 57, you're, you're in your mid sixties. Uh, 69, Steve. Almost 70. Oh, I didn't. Getting I didn't, there close. I didn't realize that. Well, and the telephone meant something different back then. That, that truly was the lifeline for everything was that, that cord that, that may have been on your kitchen wall, you know, maybe if you were lucky enough, you had it in your family room or your, your bedroom, but that was a real thing back then. And being a lineman for the telephone company was, was extremely important. No internet. There, there was no FaceTime. There was no walking around everywhere you went with a phone. I think back to using pay, you know, it's kind of like, yeah. uh, I actually sent you a picture from when I was on vacation last week, there was a GTE pay phone and it's like, what a throwback, you know, to be able to see a pay phone and think about 
I can't even imagine what it would cost to make a call now. Would it be you know, a buck and a half? Or I remember when it was a dime to to make a phone call and then it went up to a quarter. But I, yeah. I think this kind of lost on today's society how that, that wired connection was. It, it, it was. As a, as a lineman, I mean, you would be called out uh, all time, you know, 20, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours. Something somebody needed to put back in, you'd put back. You have to, you have to really, you know, you'd, like uh, truck drive, you know, that people are most house truck stop here in New Haven or Fort Myers, there'd be a bank of probably 20 payphones, and but that's how those drivers got their loads. They would go in and have supper or lunch or take a shot. They would, then they'd be lined up with the payphones three and four deep, putting their dimes and they were getting their next load, uh, where they was going to go. That's how they talk. They didn't have a cell phone or radio in the truck. That, that, that's just how it worked. Uh, I think about, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know, probably our wives more than you and I, how many, how many times they were told you're only allowed to be on the phone for 10 or 15 minutes, right? Because Somebody else be calling. I, I can remember being on the phone. My dad would yell at me when Sue and I was dating. You know, you, uh, Bobby, they need to get off the phone now. Um, so that, that, that's, that, and, uh, we, we, I, ne we never had a party line at the McMichael house. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk to people who had a party and, and for, you want to explain what a party line was for those that may not know, because <laughs> this sounds really, really foreign a, today. A party, line, they, a party line, you could have up to like, actually like eight to 10 people on your line and, and, and people you, they would make calls and who, it would ring at the house it's supposed to ring at, but other people would hear that they could hear a ding or something on their phone. So they'd pick it up and listen to what was going on. Okay, what, what was kind of funny, one of the, one of the big things back in the day, radio stations used to have call-ins. And so everybody call in. Well, you got to, you, after a while, people got figuring out you would get a busy signal, but over the busy signal, you could talk to people in the background and carry a hard, pretty hard conversation. So the, that was like the first conference phone. People would call in these radio, like, whoa, 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 you know, ho, ho, whoa, whoa, contest. Remember back in the day and people would call in or whatever, and you'd get on that phone in the business and then, then it'd be like people having conversations in the background. Just. So I, I, I grew up in Southeast Fort Wayne and we had a 447 phone number. Our, our phone number was really close. You made me laugh when you said radio stations. Our phone number was fairly close to WMEE's phone number at the time. You probably remember your childhood phone number. Ours was four four seven six eight two three. Yeah, theirs was like eight six three three or something like that. So I can remember my dad answering the phone seemingly hundreds of times. My, my dad was ornery and he was a prankster, and uh, you know somebody would call and they'd make a request for a song, and he'd say something like, "Oh, we don't we don't play that song here." That's you know things like yeah. that. So the, the telephone was a completely different. Back. Yeah, then mentioning like that whole, I mean, remember they used to call it, whoa, we used to call it payphones. And if you heard payphone yeah, ring, you answered it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 25 bucks or something. It's like that, you know, like cells, they, they call you, they would call payphones back in the day. And it, it was pretty funny. Life, life sure has changed. Um, not all for the better, but you know, I, I think overall technology has, has made life better, certainly for a lot of sets and, and we're, we're a lot more connected now. I, I you know, I agree. I'm, the last few years I've gotten, and you and I have talked about, you just need to be kind to people. Social media, on my, my kids, I, sometimes I wish it didn't exist because social media, uh, people can say anything at any time and make comments. And, and I are my kids and my grandkids. And I, I think a fair word is even victimized sometimes by that. Bullied for sure. By, by making comments on that side. That, that's probably the, being from the telecommunication industry, I think that's one of the things that I'm probably the, not happy as well, or, or proud that it's went that way. I, I think there's some great value in it. I also think people use very poor judgment on social media. And I think our kids at eight, nine, 10 years old needs to be looked after.
your, your fire service and your career and all those other things. And I want to talk a little bit about your elected public service a little bit more. Like, like me, you started out in the Adams Township Advisory Board, went to New Haven City Council. You're now on your third different distinct stint on New Haven City Council, right? Kind of help me with the years here. So you, you were on nine, late 90s to early 2000s uh, and then took a term or so off and came back, took a term or so off, and you're back again as city council as large. You want to talk a little bit about your time on city council going back to, for example, the 90s to today, changes there? and Oh, what, like, like you know, being the township advisory board, you, you, that, that was important. You learned about the funds of, of government. And then when I got in New Haven, um, the United States running for government. But it, it was a lot different back then. I mean, we met in the uh, the old city building that used to was a car, basically a car dealership. Right back in the back in the, back then, no one came to meetings. I mean, we we would have a meeting. You know, you'd, you'd they'd be in the paper. There's gonna be meetings. We had the Allen County Times back then, and people didn't come over the you know the technologies came now. Meetings every meetings publicized. Every meeting is on. You know, you can watch it on the internet. Uh, the openness of it. I mean, we did the same things back. My my view is to uh, to do the best for New Haven. When I was fourth district, you know, I represented the fourth district, and, and I would promote the fourth district in New Haven because those citizens elected me to that job. There'd be that that maybe my personal view uh, was different than if I was getting calls from people. They they said we we would this is our point of view, and I would weigh that, and and I, you know I might vote. Uh, there's been times where I vote something that I personally didn't think maybe was the best choice, but the people in my district wanted was my that was why they elected me to represent them. That I I. I when I first ran three, I'd, I'd stayed, you know, no more than three terms. That's what happened. I, and I got off for eight years and then I did come back. Uh, people, you know, my conservative attitude and, and people know that I represent, you know, I was encouraged to run again. That's, that's why I ended up uh, I, I don't know all the answers, but I think it's very important to listen to people that you represent and represent, whether it's your district or represent the, and, and do what's best for the city to move the city forward. You know, emergency service has always been a passion. I, 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 there's, there's, I, I want to make sure I, I've seen firsthand the difference of not having a good emergency services. You know, I, I used to always tell you I was, I was a medic for 10 and, and we saved one person with CPR. Now it's here. Now every week, every, every not every do, we do that. The, the, the people do that regularly. And I, you're and, 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 and I think we both support that so much. And we realize the value of having paramedics and having someone in someone's house within three or four minutes. You know, a lot of times nowadays people say, we don't have a lot of fire. You know, there's not as many. Well, the reason why is because our guys get there within three or four minutes in a quick attack and they knock the fire down. Or we're putting smoke detectors in someone's house or we're, we're doing something else. So as a politician, the number of police officers on our street right now protecting our citizens has gone up dramatically in the last four years. We, we have, we have, you know, more than one officer on duty at one o'clock in the morning. We, we were proactive in, in what we do. You know, we're not reactive like, like years ago. So that, that I think, I think I feel pretty confident you and I support that and, and we'll continue to support that because that, that is so important to our citizens to have that type of care. One of the things that I spoke with Councilman Dellinger about on last week's episode was the collective good. A lot of things are changing around. There's, there's a significant amount of growth and things are changing. And that doesn't always sit well with everybody, but it's, it's your job as a councilman. It's, it's our job, or at least how I take it in the administration side is the collective good of the community, understanding there's going to be some people that are not going to be happy with some of the, the things, that, but it is a small, but very loud group. Our task is not to only listen to the loud people, but also reach and 
talk to people that, that aren't loud about it as well. And follow things like the comprehensive plan that the community put together, not us, the community put together saying that what they as a community would like to see moving forward collectively. Yeah, I mean, the comprehensive plan is new, you know, you know, 10 year future. It, 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 it's an idea. Will it change a little bit? Yes and no. You know, I think you believe, we believe in managed growth. It's stories we don't, they might be embellished a little bit, but they're how, they're how we remember them. At 69 years old, we remember them maybe the facts, but. Lifelong friends at New Haven. Well, I'm growing up in New Haven and, and, oh. you know, we don't necessarily mention any names, but pe people would know that near and dear to you and you vacation with and you go to with and, and spend a lot of time and you've known them for, you know. A lot of odd years, you know, we, yeah. we've been friends, you know, and, and that's one great thing about New Haven. You know, you always feel them, you know, I, you know, rarely do I go to the grocery store or downtown to Rack and Helens or one, one of the other local businesses that you don't see somebody, you know, it, it's, and I, and I ask from other people, because when I, people say hi, they're friendly and, and, and that's important to me. I, I, I love that. I strive off of it. talk to people and go into this and strike up a conversation like, you, you know, it might've been a month since you've seen them, they, with their arm, like, yes. they put their arm around them just like, yes, you know, and I, it, that's, that's about the community of New Haven is community and, and truly, you know, there for people. Those so. place ask, you mentioned Chihuahua and your grandpa earlier, but and did, uh, did you have pets growing up and, uh, did you have pets when your children were growing up? I'm a dog person. Uh, you know, I, I love German shepherds. We had a, a German shepherd, uh, that grew up with and. They still talk about her, you know, and, and, uh, Sheba was her name, you know, and, and, uh, I grew up with Chihuahuas, you know, I mean, that's different, right? German, German Shepherd, Shepherd, Chihuahua, yeah, that's right. But, but the Chihuahuas was way than German Shepherd. I died. Chihuahuas draw a lot more blood from me than that German Shepherd ever did. Well, they have something to prove. Yeah, they, they had something. They can tell <laughs> have that loud bark. Yeah. Chihuahua has something to prove. Anybody that has Chihuahua understands what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I always give the last word. What, what would you tell our listeners? about Bob Bird, about New Haven, about life. I, you know, I've said it many times, you know, just, just go through life and, and, and do what you can do. Be kind to people, uh, care about other people. Uh, if you see something and someone needs help, you know, help them out. Give them a hand. You know, I, there, there's a lot of little things you can do that means a lot of things to people. It doesn't have to be the big thing. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I could have easily. Steve chats with his friends and I could, I can certainly see us having the same conversation over a cup of coffee or um, at the golf course, which, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years now, Bob Bird, thank you for joining me today. Thing that you do in the community. Thank you for being my friend. I appreciate going down the path with you. And it's been an honor to serve next to you. You've been listening to New Haven Newsmakers with Mayor Steve on WNHE 101.3 F. Nice, Bob. I hope be working together as one consolidated fire department. So when you have a structure fire in New Haven, Woodburn might automatically, they'll respond with an engine. Northeast would respond with an engine and we respond with our two engines. It would be more of a structured response as an Allen County versus just a New Haven uh, response. You know, one of the biggest things is paramedics. We, I, I can't tell people how blessed we are in East Allen, Allen County. We were, we were the first in the county. There was Fort Wayne, uh, started with paramedic service. You know, basically, new and we we can get uh, four four paramedic units out, and when seventy percent of your runs are paramedic units, and that's why we are saving men and women's and children's lives monthly in New Haven because of that in East Central. And I want to make sure that that is some of that going forward that uh, the fire service is important, and we but but our medical and paramedics 
is equally important because of the number of, of resources and the difference they can make in someone's life. Well, as we talk about more of a, if not consolidated, at least collaborative approach amongst fire territories or fire districts, we look at the rising cost of pumpers, engines, ladders. There's discussion about getting a new ladder truck, two and a half, three million dollars, right? Correct. Do you need nine of those in Allen County? You probably need, I don't know what the number is. You need probably two or three, right? Right. Not, not each department needs one of those. That that's a high priced, very little used piece of equipment. But when you need it, you need it. Right. They where you, where you need a new, new, you know, a new, new Haven, no, big on our, on our buildings, you know, two and three story buildings that we have, we need a ladder truck in the, in the, in the New Haven area. Do you need one maybe out in a rural area to your point? Probably no. But if we had four, we could send them as a, as a total solution, you know, as, as a, like you said, a consolidated solution. We don't need six ladder trucks in the county. We may need, to your point, three or four, but they need to be strategically placed uh, where we need that. And, 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 and you know, the, the cost model, I mean, you made a good point on, on the lot, you know, ladder truck, you know, we started looking at what were they? 1.5 million, 18 months later or so we're looking at 2.5. Three million. Oh, that, and that's just, that's not the equipment on the truck. That's just, that, truck. that's just the hard cost. And that, that's not a fancy truck. That's getting the wheel that we need to do the job that we needed to do. Um, you know, to, to do that, we have, um, you, you know, to, you know, you want to be careful with taxpayers. So we, we collect a little bit of money every year to do that. And we had uh, a plan put in place that we could replace a pumper or a ladder in this 10 year plan, a 10 year plan. When something went up from 1.5 to 2.3, and it could be 2.5 by the time we order, that's a million dollars. Well, the no longer does the budget support that. It's kind of like an ambulance. An ambulance did the same. We we buy new ambulances. Our mileage fees. We set our mileage fees so every three years we can buy a new ambulance because of the mileage we put on it. That doesn't happen anymore because the cost went up faster than the revenue. Well, I can remember so, just from the that I was on the Adams Township Advisory Board uh, when we talked about the stuff of ambulances. They were somewhere around. Hundred fifty, hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, and now they're three hundred thousand dollars, and that's a relatively short period of time. And, that, and that's the same unit that we bought, you know, the same Ford F three fifty, the same. It just things went up that much in cost in that short short of time. There's two questions I like to always ask my guests. The first one is, what would sixty-nine year old Bob Bird tell the eighteen year old Bob Bird today? I think I would I would tell people to be kind to people at that. If you're kind of that, that'll pay you back many times over your lifetime. But to, to, to set yourself a goal, I wasn't the brightest high school student. I always tell people I went to school to play basketball, well, and ran to front track. Um, no, I, I also worked hard in school to do the best I could do because I, I, I truly that, you know, everybody was given a set of God given abilities and you should do the best of those abilities that you can possibly do. Uh, that's, that's what I, I would. That's, that's what I would tell people. I mean, we're all given a certain amount of abilities and do the best with what you were given for yourself and to help. And I, and I think good things will happen to you Put that versus going out and, you know, I, I want some, I want to make a million dollars. I want to do this. That's money's important, but money's not everything in life. And you competed at the varsity level in multiple sports, right? Correct. And, and you just tell us a little bit about that. You know, you. It's like anybody's been, you know, you, you work and you know, to, to work hard and to, to be a, you know, and I was truly fortunate to be able to play basketball at New Haven and football. Be, I probably worked as hard as anybody out there. That isn't that I feel that that is one thing. And, you know, our, our football team, uh, knew we had an eight years back then. I mean, we went six and three, we, we were a pretty good ball and we, we worked hard. 
there wasn't any outstanding stars, but as a team, we worked very well together. And same way in basketball, we worked well together. And, uh, you know, I, I still respect, I still respect my coaches. Uh, matter of fact, there's still a couple of coaches that live in New Haven. And I still, when I walk past them, I go, yes, sir. No, you know, coach, how, you know, and just the other night, Haven, New Haven's had a great wrestling season, uh, this state, state champion, girl state champions with Easton Doss, you know, win state championships. You know, people don't know how hard those kids work to, to get to that level, but also coach Hosteller, who was a wrestling coach when I was in New Haven, he was there supporting this. You know, those guys never, never stop supporting their sport. And I feel that I feel the same for you, whether you, you know, if you're wherever any type of athlete you was and, you know, our church, you know, and things like that, people that supported, you know, back in the day, you, you know, it, you know, we, we have some great stories we tell and they might be embellished a little bit, but they're how, they're how we remember them at 69 years old. We remember them a little different than maybe the facts, but. <laughs> and you make lifelong friends at New Haven high school and growing up in New Haven. We don't necessarily mention any names, but pe names that people will that, that are near and dear to you and you vacation with and you go to dinner and, and spend a lot of time and you've known them for, you know. A lot of those people, 60, some of you know, yeah. we've been, you know, and, and that's one great thing about it. And, you know, you always feel rarely do I go to the grocery store or downtown Rack and Helens or one, one of the other local businesses that you don't see. So, you know, it, it's. And, and I think you hear that from other people. I love New Haven because when I go places, people say hi, they're friendly. And, and, and that's important to me. I mean, I, I, I love that. I strive off of that to know people and to be able to talk to people and go into places and strike up a conversation. Like you, you know, it might've been a month since you, but you know, they come with their arm, like they put their arm around them just like yesterday, you know, that's, that's about the community of New Haven is being a community, you know, believe and care for people. The last yeah. question I always ask is, you mentioned Chihuahua and your grandpa earlier, but. Are you a cat or a dog person? And, uh, did you have pets growing up and, uh, did you have pets when your children were growing up? Yeah, I'm, I'm a dog. You know, I, I love German shepherd, had a, a German shepherd, uh, that our kids grew up with and they still talk about it. And Sheba, when I grew up with Chihuahua, you know, I mean, that kind of different, right? <laughs> German shepherd, Chihuahua, yeah, that, but, but the Chihuahuas was way meaner than Shepherd. I, I, Chihuahuas draw a lot more blood from me than that German Shepherd ever did. Well, they have something to prove. Yeah, the they, they had something. They can tell and have that loud bark. So the yeah. Chihuahua has something to prove. Anybody that has Chihuahua understands what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I always like to give the last word. What, what would you tell our listeners about Bob Bird, about New Haven, about life? I, you know, I've said it, man, just, just go and, and, and do the best with the best you can do. Be kind to people. Uh, care about other people. Uh, if you see something and someone needs help, you know, help them out. Give them a hand. There, there's just a lot of little things you can do that means a lot of things to people. It doesn't have to be the big thing. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Now, I could have easily named this show Steve Chats with his friends. And I can certainly see us having the same conversation over a cup of coffee or a horse, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Bob Bird, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for everything that you do in the community. Thank you for being my friend. I appreciate going down the path with you, and it's been an honor to serve next to you. You've been listening to New Haven Newsmakers with Mayor Steve on WNHE 101.3 FM. Nice, Bob.